data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world. I am your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is my co-host, Samir Khan. What is up, Samir? Jeremy, how are you? Good. Enjoying the COVID days, man. I mean, I, everybody keeps saying these jokes like, I don't know what day it is. I, I had no idea today was Friday. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I logged into my computer. I was like, okay, it's just another day for work. And the another scary day. part is I don't even know what time it is. I mean, sometimes yeah. you're sitting there working, you look at it and you're like, um, I think it's seven o'clock. I think it's dinner or something. Yeah, I know that companies are trying to bring people back to work, at least in Texas and in Houston where I live. But mm -hmm. it's interesting that, you know, they, some companies they have feeling that uh, people don't work at home. But I've been observing myself like I'm working a lot more yeah. than I could have in, in the office setting. I, I don't understand it. And, and actually, I just saw in Houston uh, there's major thunderstorms and tons of thunder going on in Houston. So watch out there. Um, if any of our audience hears something scary in the background, it's not Samir in a haunted house, but it's actually right. crazy thunder. But um, okay. so today, so today, today's exciting. Um, we've been uh, on this really cool long streak now of having these fabulous guests come on. Today's guest, we'd like to introduce Denise Pertzer, the VP of uh, Partnership. Um, and we're going to talk about her a little bit um, for ClearSale, but let's uh, have Denise say hi first. What's up, Denise? Hi, guys. It's great to be here. Fantastic. We're super excited to have you on board. Let me go ahead and brag about you real fast. I'm going to read this bio, and then we'll get into it. Um, so Denise Pertzer, the VP of Partnership and Alliances at ClearSale, so she's kind of a people person. She's one of those people that once you start talking to her, you immediately feel this connection. You're like, okay, um, this is a person that is meant to build alliances. And it kind of goes with the role here. So Denise oversees the partner network at ClearSale. It's a global, fund, a global fraud prevention system. So Denise has an interesting background. So her 20 years of experience in commerce has taken her across the globe, um, speaking, working in different areas to gain a greater understanding of locales. She's been in APAC, EMEA, the America regions, um, working with SMB to enterprise clients. She understands the needs of specific merchants, shoppers, and but it all revolves around providing the best e-commerce experience possible. So she's worked on both the payment side um, and the fraud side of the business. And that's given her this really great broad understanding of the whole e-commerce landscapes. So our audience is gonna have a lot really to learn. Uh, before that, she had previous experiences in a FinTech startup. So as the first person you know, brought on the team and she's got this great insight and appreciation for what it takes to build a business from the ground up. And the other cool thing is we have her top five strengths and Samir and I are kind of uh, nerdy about those top five strengths. So I'm gonna read these off. Um, her Gallup top five strengths are achiever, woo, communicator, activator and competition so welcome denise thank you thank you so much jeremy yeah so yeah uh, i guess real fast before we get into it um samir and i both uh started our big corporate career at a company um, where top five strengths were such a big deal and um we actually had our top five strengths on a title card with our names on it at our desk so when uh, people came up and worked with us, if you didn't know who they were in a 5,000 person company, they'd be like, oh, you're a, <laughs> you know, you don't really like people. You're really good at doing your job, but um, 
you know, you really shouldn't sit there and just have a conversation with me. You should just ask me stuff and then walk away delightfully, right? <laughs> so, yeah. And, and Samir and I probably know some of those people that we could mention, but we're not going to mention them. But my, I think my everybody can five, put some of those in mind. Yes. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Samir, my top five strengths, if you remember, mine were a strategic achiever, learner, includer, and arranger. What were yours? Samir, do you, uh, do you, I guess you're not remembering yours, right? Yeah, mine were uh, accountability, responsibility, analytical, futuristic, uh, uh, innovator, and uh, there was one more, focus, focus, focus. yes, yes. Nice. It's kind of funny. I mean, you and I worked on the same team doing the same thing, but we had completely different. Uh, Very different. Very different, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess before we get started with that, I guess uh, since we're on this topic of strengths, Denise, how does how did you get involved with the strengths, or why does that mean something important to you? Because you know when we asked about your bio, it's something you mentioned in there. So just curious about that. Yeah, I always think it's interesting when people know of Gallup and and know their strengths. And um, Gallup, uh, I'm I'm here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and Gallup actually began in Lincoln, Nebraska, and now is in Omaha, Nebraska. So Trivia it's, question. It's yeah, there you go. Surprises for anybody that could have answered that. But um, it's it's very interesting because I know lots of people that have worked there over the years and um, really became became associated with it because of that and. The Gallup way very much is to have your name placard and your strengths in front of you um, so that when people approach you, they know how to interact with you. And um, that's that's um, very much the Gallup way. So that's neat to see that that got pulled into other areas that you've worked into as well. But um, cool. yeah, I've read a lot of Marcus Buckingham books over the years and um, really think it's it's a neat thing. And it is an interesting way to talk because it's putting yourself out there. And, and giving you a clue as to who you are, which kind of breaks down barriers I've found in, in talking oh, yeah. to people over the years. Oh, yeah. I, I think the, the one thing I would ask, and then we'll go, go on to some of the core questions we're going to ask you, but um, do you feel like over the years as you've matured in the corporate world and your job and you're, you know, you, you've changed yourself, do you think your strengths have changed or would you take the test again to see if they've changed? I have take the taken the test again. What? So okay. I have a degree in okay. psychology. <laughs> so okay. I'm always trying to buck the system. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have taken the test and they haven't, but my top five strengths haven't ever changed. I think that's what's happened is perhaps I've become maybe well-rounded um, in other areas. <laughs> I don't know. I hope that that would happen over time. But, um, you know, just the, I think just having the um, awareness of those strengths and being able to know how to deal with others and then having team members that have different strengths and learning how to communicate with them and what work environment is best for them or how do you approach them in a, in a challenging time um, when, when um, you know, energy is high and, and emotions are high. I think that yeah. that's, that's what really has changed for me is, is learning other people's strengths and to appreciate them more. Um, but one thing I will say is the woo in me right now is struggling because that's winning others <laughs> over for those that yeah. don't understand the Gallup speak. And, um, one of the things about woo is that you get charged up by being around others versus having that downtime away from others and, mm -hmm. um, not being at conferences and things like, like that right now is really, it's challenging. <laughs> No, I know what you mean. I, you have kind of withdrawals from people. I mean, I, I used yeah. to travel almost every week. 
and now I'm, I, you know, I miss traveling in the food in different cities, but I also miss my points. I want my points. I want my miles. Yeah, uh, I know. All the travel. I know. I've got <laughs> a little... I want to go to Hawaii, man. Okay, I want to go to Hawaii. Everyone's points. <laughs> I've got a little up in the air, you know, anxiety going right now, where it's like I'm not getting those points, you know, going up. And, and okay, so my big question to like, let's say one of the airlines or just the hotel that I always use is, am I going to still maintain my status if I haven't been able to do anything or fly? I mean. Because I'm at least a minimum platinum status on everything. I don't want to start from scratch. There's no way I'm going to do that. No, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think you'll maintain it. What I've seen is some of the uh, airlines and mileage providers and all kinds of uh, loyalty programs, they are reconsidering on what they would consider the running year. Um, so, so, yeah, so I think definitely you're going to be able to redeem or keep your status if you may. Uh, so I don't think very sad. I'll be I've very, got some very reassurances sad. from Delta because I had those same same worries, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping they come through. I, I've been in like Group Three for a long time. I don't know how I could do Group Eight anymore. I don't <laughs> want to be the last guy in the plane and not have a place to put my bag. You know, <laughs> it's funny because people that don't travel all the time don't understand what it's like. No, I'm a Group Three guy. Really, it's really hard to go backwards. It really I, is. No, I'm a Group Three guy. <laughs> I carry my luggage with me. I take on. I never check anything in because I'm there. <laughs> So. <laughs> anyway, we're digressing, but I think I really want to jump on and talk about Denise. So, so Denise, you tell us like what's ClearSales? Tell us more about your company. What do you guys do? Yeah, ClearSales is a fraud prevention company, and we work globally to essentially work um, with merchants and um, assess uh, a sale at the point of sale um, instantly and determine if there's fraud involved and uh, allow that merchant to go on their, their way and fulfilling that and, and approving it. So um, we uh, work in about 160 countries globally, and um, we work with thousands of merchants across all different verticals. It's, it's real fascinating. So I guess a question with that, uh, since you work on multiple countries, are the laws the same or are they completely different, fraud laws? Completely different across well, countries. It, in payments, things tend to be a lot different and compliances can be a lot different. So European laws can be a lot more stringent, as an example. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely nuances when you when you start to look at things globally. Interesting. OK, cool. Um, I, I guess with that, you know, what are I guess to the average Joe Schmo when, when you're when you're you know, let's say somebody's in the tech world and they're just learning about different fintech and, and you know, how somebody, something like ClearSale kind of plays a part. What should be important to them? What should they really want to understand what ClearSale does? And I guess, should it be something that they should have an interest and in look into if, if they're getting into the e-commerce space, if they're trying to sell something online? Well, e-commerce e is not an easy thing to just jump into, and fraud definitely touches all aspects of the entire process, whether it's customer service or that experience or even marketing and how things are, are marketed. Um, you have to take all these things into consideration when you're considering fraud. Um, and fraudsters are smart. They're always going to be one step ahead of the game. And when you look at things going on right now with the shift, in purchases being made more online, it, it puts even more pressure on the merchants because of the fact that 
the 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 rules have changed um the dynamics have changed the uh-huh. uh, velocity has changed everything has and and so it's really hard for that merchant to understand you know who is good and who isn't and i think on the the other side of things you have to consider the fact that um you've got that customer who may look suspect and if you decline them and it becomes a false decline um so you're declining them for the wrong reasons that can be even more impactful on your business. So that's a piece that a lot of merchants don't think about. Um, They're worrying about keeping out the bad guys, but they're not thinking about the impact of of, um, turning off a sale that that might be good and putting a bad I mean, there's definitely a customer experience element. I mean, that's that's the entire focus. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know how many times I've presented it in, in a meeting. People don't buy products, they buy experiences. Totally. And yeah, so I mean, I, I would be really frustrated if I was going online and I got this like fraud detection thing saying that I had to put in some extra stuff and answer these personal questions, or I kept on getting declined. I'd I'd panic, be upset, and then I'd probably go somewhere else and say, "Yeah, screw this, I'm going somewhere else to buy something yeah. else." That's yeah. true. If somebody has a bad experience, you're exactly right. About thirty-two percent of the time, people will go elsewhere, and it's generally your competitor. Um, we like stats. So. Thank you for the stat. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So in, in terms of like going, uh, coming to a merchant, getting declined for wrong reason, and from what you're saying, Denise is, is clear sale basically avoids those types of issues so I can make more money at the end of the day, right? As an e-commerce shop. That's exactly right. And okay. the way we do it is not simply through machine um machine learning. Um, that's what everybody offers out there, right? You've got your rules and you've got your machine learning and you put it in and it spits it out instantaneously because that instant um, experience is what customers are also expecting online. We would never decline something just based on machine learning alone. We actually inject um, a more personal approach and, and put human intervention into play of something suspect. And we'll have our human team of a thousand analysts take a look at things and review before making a final decision. Therefore, they can feed back into that loop um, additional information or make changes until you're not uh, replicating false positives or actually making the, the situation worse over time. I So I, real fast, Samir, I, I love the fact that you just said human element. So you're, you're talking about a combination of technology and people, just just real fast, right? That's Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So our our most recent guest just before you um she was in this uh you know the funds management business and basically she went off in this great story about how you know innovation and technology is not purely isolating all functionality into the machine learning and ai aspects of a tool it's not about just going pure technology the innovation within technology actually has a strong people element and it's mm-hmm. just it's mind blowing because people don't realize that they think, Oh yeah, I want to be innovative and, and neat and new and everything just has to be purely online and automated. No, dude, you have to have people, people have to be involved because there's so many possibilities for error. So true. Or learning the wrong thing. As I mentioned, if you're teaching the machine, the wrong thing, it's just going to make the problem worse over time and you might not even realize it. So that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I think, Jeremy, you're talking about Claire Flynn, right, from, from yep. Central, which is our last yeah. podcast. So for the listeners who would like to get 
uh, a little bit of flavor of the fintech uh, from a founder standpoint, you should definitely listen to a podcast show 52. But but again, going back to what you're saying, Denise, I think it's fantastic that what you guys do is combining the human element with the machine learning algorithms to be able to provide a more comprehensive fraud prevention solution. Like I, I can relate to that because I was working in a company uh, that offered uh, cloud security services. And a part of that, the security offering was a SOC team. You know, we had a pretty, uh, pretty robust SLA. It's like 15 minute turnaround and detection of a, a fraud on, on a specific AWS instance. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really jazzed about uh, what do you guys do there. So let's, uh, I know, General, if you want to, if you have a follow through question, I should ask my next one. Uh, I have this in my mind. Sure, go for it. So, uh, so with regards to, uh, kind of going back to your personal journey, right? So I think it's interesting where you started in a completely different industry in a completely different role uh, as a sales associate. And then from there, you move on to becoming the VP of partner at ClearSale. So it's a pretty fascinating journey. So why don't you uh, enlighten our listeners in terms of what, what made you go in the direction that you are in? Yeah, and feel free to talk about mentors or people that inspired you or anything crazy. I mean, just we're ready. Okay, great. Well, <laughs> it, it has been a really interesting journey when you put it into perspective like that, but it was it was a lot of years of morphing in between time. But I think that there were common threads throughout um, that from my base at uh, the Buckle. Um, so I started out at the Buckle as a sales associate, and the Buckle was at the time 50-some stores that were mostly in the Midwest, here in Nebraska and Iowa and a few other, a few other states. And it was based out of a small town called Kearney, Nebraska. And what built the base for me and what really inspired me to continue to do the path um, and go on the path that I, I was on was the fact that our leadership was, was so gung-ho about delivering quality service and making things stand apart from just the product itself. But at the same time, I was learning all kinds of interesting things because the company went from a private company to a publicly held and traded company during that time. So I became a stockholder. Um, I learned about logistics. I learned about inventory control, white labeling. We, we launched our own brand of denim during that time. So even the branding and the merchandising around that. But really, the, the, the biggest thing was all of those things were about the customer experience. And it was on the sales floor. And then that was at a time, so you're talking, gosh, I'm going to date myself, but over 25 years ago, <laughs> you're talking about a time where e-commerce was really not even in existence in any way, shape, or form. So I think that those those basic things there and the mentors that I had within that company, and by the way, the, the leadership, the executive leadership in that company, so the Buckle is now 450 stores in 42 states. Wow. Wow. and is doing really, really well. And the um, chairman and everybody else that was involved um, as key uh, you know, executives during the time that I was there way back when are still there, as are many people that I, I still know that were you know, associates with me and they've moved on up within the, the organization. So I think that says a lot. And I think that that also taught me to be more um, faithful to a company because the company was faithful to me. So I always wanted to surround myself with companies that were that way. So in short, I was able to go and make that bridge over to e-commerce and, and stay in that realm and do things um, globally, which was exciting to me, but still be able to work um, in, in pleasing the customer and having a good customer experience. 
So this is, this has made me think. Um, so Samir and I do a lot of mentoring, and I think we, we want to ask you kind of about your passion behind that. But Samir and I are also very passionate about, you know, coaching and mentoring, um, you know, uh, junior level you know, marketers and data analysts and just people upcoming in, in, in the business mm -hmm. world. And I think a lot of people sit back and say, you know what, I have a mediocre job. It's nothing special. I mean, most people would say, I really want to get into this, you know, this role. Like, I wish I could be doing what Denise is doing because that sounds awesome, right? VP of partnerships and alliances, right? But I'm here as a sales associate at the buckle. What can I actually learn? I mean, how, how am I going to get from here to there? And you hit the nail on the head so hard that I think we need to go back and talk about that again. It's not the fact that you have this big title at that point in your career. It's not the fact that you have, uh, you know, you're making a bunch of money and you're doing all or you're doing whatever, right? It's all about the little things that you're learning at that mm -hmm. time that you can take and utilize to build on those strengths because you have to start from somewhere. I mean, a lot of people think sitting there thinking I'm 25 years old. I don't have my own business yet. Um, I haven't made a big, uh, I don't have a big idea yet. I don't have a trajectory. I'm like, come on. I wasn't even there. I, I didn't really figure out what I wanted to do until I was like 30, 32, you know, but I was just going with emotions until I really figured it out. But, you know, let's go back and talk about that real fast. It's like, how are you inspired by some of those things? Did you sit there and say, you know what, I, I need to learn all these things because it's going to help me. Or did you sit there and say, you know what, I want to broaden my horizons and learn as many things as possible. Right? What, what were you thinking back then? It's hard to, to put myself in my own head way back then because I think I was not putting together the pieces, but I think I appreciated the fact that I was I was um, entrusted with mm -hmm. such a huge responsibility as, as pleasing a customer. And then I saw that customers would come in and, and specifically ask for me or find out when I was working so that I could cool. work with them again. And those are the kind of the bonuses you get along the way and that, that self-satisfaction that you get. And then you couple that with people that would mentor you in the, at that point in time. I remember, um, my boss at the time was, was, um, you know, she'd asked me about what else I wanted to do. And there was one point where I thought I was going to stay in retail and stay with the buckle and take that path. So I was, she helped me get into, um, you know, the training program and help me take over a few stores for a weekend while the manager was away or do some things like that. And so it was just kind of, you know, listening to what my dreams were and helping me realize them and showing me the path as well as giving me some tough assignments along the way, some of which I, I didn't do well in, but then picking me up and saying, okay, this is how I would have done it. And this is, you know, this is what the expected outcome was. And she was, she was really good at mentoring. And I think she was probably my first mentor, whether I realized it or not. And um, like because of that, um, I've always had a soft spot in my heart, especially for other women. Um, I'm in an industry where there aren't a lot of women in a lot of these roles. I go to conferences and it's definitely um, more men in the conferences. Yep. And so anytime I can find someone, and it doesn't have to be a woman, but somebody that's got the enthusiasm and the desire to learn, I'm all over it. I will do whatever mm -hmm. I can to help connect the dots for them and, and help them out. Oh, completely. And, and, you know, Samir, I think you and I have talked about this too, is, uh, you know, the role that you have as a mentor and a coach, um, you know, being coach Samir, right. And some of the people that you've worked with and do, do you have any kind of relatable stories or anything that similar to Denise's? Cause I, 
it's fascinating to me. I mean, I, I probably act as a mentor at least a few times a month and have phone calls with people regarding that stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, as uh, Denise was alluding to, right, I think I can definitely relate to many different occasions uh, about uh, people trying to figure out, like, how do we go from point A to B? And my response has always been about, like, how do you go from point A to A point A.2, right? You know, maybe yeah. or something like that, right? Before you start thinking about, uh, you know, for the journey, the milestones are extremely important. And then the other part is, uh, oh, there's, there's a lot a of thunder. A lot of thunder. <laughs> Sorry for the background. No problem. It's kind of cool and scary. Uh, <laughs> special effects. Uh, well, so, yeah, I think going back to the point, I think from my perspective, it is a combination of the depth of your skills, the breadth uh, of your kind of, a, you know, how you try to expand within the organization, and then also the stretch, right? So if you look at the depth, breadth, and stretch, which is how you're stretching your career and expanding in different, gaining different experiences that you already have, uh, that that is always my recommendation to people. But 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 going back to what you're saying, Denise, like so, so that's very interesting where you are now with uh, with clear sales. So help our audience understand. Uh, I know you talked a lot about clear sale and what do you guys do and how you help it. Maybe we can get into the nitty gritty of what that looks like from a from a case study standpoint. If you want to share some of the case studies and how ClearSale is helping organizations, especially right now with what's going on with fraud. Yeah. Yeah, there have been some really interesting things that have come up just even in the last couple of weeks. We've had um, the busiest month we've had to date. And we started out in wow. 2001 as a company with ClearSale. Um, so this last month and then this month coming up, the current month of May, we're going to be last month. So it's just, it's a time when a lot of people are rushing to get online or those that are online are really seeing some challenges with um, those changes in sales come headaches as well. Um, so they might be relishing in the fact that they've got a lot of sales coming through and then chargebacks might follow, um, which is never a good, a, a good thing at all. So we, we're getting calls from merchants that, you know, range from, oh my gosh, I just had an $8,000 chargeback. I don't know what to do. Um, help me out. How quickly can we get on board? To new merchants, like in the jewelry industry, that might have just been brick and mortar. And they, they need a way for customers to be able to buy their products so they're launching brand new stores. So it, it's been kind of fun. We've got um, one particular customer called Blackstone that sells um, outdoor cooking products. And they expect a little bit of an uptick in sales going into the warmer months, um, you know, with, with people doing outdoor cooking. And they actually backed off on their advertising, but then beefed up on their TV advertising because people were a captive audience at home. And they saw a surge in sales that they could not even believe were going to exist. And so we've definitely worked with them on making sure that we're approving the right orders and not declining orders and, and helping them through that process so that they're not getting charged back. So that's been, that's been an interesting one as well. Do you, do you see yourself, especially because of your role, do you see yourself building out more partnerships with these companies and, and not like making a play on your actual title, but is it to where rather than seeing you as a vendor, it's approaching them as, as really a, a strategic partner? Right. How, how can we help you through your journey? Because I'm sure a lot of these people For are going sure. through digital transformation. 
For sure. So we work with all the different e-commerce platforms that are out there, but then we've been launching a lot with some of the closed platforms, I call them. So there are companies that um, have a an e-commerce suited platform specific to an industry, like um, mm. Punchmark with jewelry is an example. They're a, a partner of ours. And so they work with behind the scenes to provide everything that's needed for jewelers to get online. So we've definitely forged more partnerships and there have been a lot of interesting discussions. Also on the payment side, because payments and fraud are so tightly woven together, um, payments companies don't always offer fraud prevention, um, nor can they for every single vertical that's out there. And so it definitely allows the sales teams on the payment side to be more effective um, if they can offer a fraud solution in conjunction with that, because they can talk about that net uptick um, if they're not having the false declines and things um, to worry so, about. So I guess with that, I mean, when you when you think about, you know, um, the value that you're bringing, I mean, let, let's summarize it. I, rather than using any kind of like jargon, I, I guess in your own words so people can understand, because I, what, I, what we want our listeners to do is every time we have a guest like you on, we want them to go and check out your company. We want to go and see what you have to offer. In your words, I guess, how can you see um, ClearSale delivering that value? Like, how are you doing that now? What makes you different during COVID, especially as compared to everybody else? I think because of the fact that we are so invested in not only the data scientists, but also feeding back into that loop. When, when a merchant has so many changes going on in their business, it's easy to just say, okay, it's, it's going to be better off if I don't face a chargeback um, and all the penalties that are associated with that. So I'm just going to decline this business. Um, we hate to see that happen. So we have a vested interest in making sure that you're getting as many sales through so your customers say happy with you and, and you keep those customers coming back for that lifetime value of that customer to continue on. And I think that that's precisely what we do with our human intervention aspect. And that's not um, offered through anybody else that I'm aware of. Interesting. So uh, let me ask one more and then we'll have Samir ask a, you know, a few more questions and then we'll um, get close into a wrap up. But uh, let's say we have somebody, you know, an up and coming, uh, you know, digital analyst or marketer, or even somebody interested in, in the technology world, in the fintech world, let's say they are a sales associate at the buckle. Let's say they are in that sales retail arena or an e-commerce arena, and they've always had this fascination for it. What can they do? Like, what what books can they read? Who can they follow? Like, how do you how do you get from there to where you are? Oh, there's so many books you can read, but I think the neatest thing that you could do for yourself is to launch an e-commerce site. You can do it so really? extensively and you can learn so much because there are hosted platforms oh. out there like Shopify or BigCommerce that make it so easy to plug and play. You can play around with Google AdWords. You can play around with, uh, you know, branding of your product, um, all those sorts of things without a huge investment. But my recommendation would be to do something that you know something about and that you're you're excited about. Um, nice. But I, I think that that learning experience is probably the best thing you could do. So learn, crash, and burn. Learn yeah. again. Yeah. You always <laughs> start another website. <laughs> yeah. True. That you can just turn it off and rebrand it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Uh, Samir, uh, go for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no maybe, problem. 
Yeah. I think that's great. Uh, so I, I like, I really like your recommendation, Denise, where you talk about in order to get the true experience, what you need to do is to be able to put yourself in the front line and, uh, and pretty much experience the, the part of being an e-commerce before you start to look for a job yeah, yeah. Or, or if you may, right? Uh, which is very interesting. And, and given the fact, like, especially now, where there is definitely a lot of economic uncertainty, people are trying to figure out what do they, what would they do next? And some people are even considering transition to a new career. Uh, I really like your, your suggestion. Uh, have you, have you come across people who have like transitioned their career from like a regular job and then uh, they have uh, become a, an e-commerce powerhouse, if you may. Like, I don't know if you guys have any interesting story there. Similarly, you deal with a lot of commerce customers. We do, and, and and there are so many stories out there. One that that makes me or comes to mind immediately because it's a huge success story because they were just touted the largest um, valued business in in Canada is is Shopify. The awesome. uh, founder Toby Toby Lutke. Um, they started out an e-commerce platform really by becoming e-commerce, um, an e-commerce site themselves. They had a snowboarding site that they wanted to launch and they couldn't find the tools that they needed. So they built it and it became the powerhouse of, of Shopify that it is now. So um, that's an amazing story and not everybody's going to be that successful, but it's, it's um, you got to shoot high, right? And aim high in order to get there. So that's fantastic. I think they ended up stop selling. They probably stopped selling snowboards there too. <laughs> he still has his site going. Last I heard. Oh, I okay. Yeah, <laughs> just like, probably just because of the the sentimental value behind it. Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, I, I guess last question here, and Samir, if you want to add another after that, but I guess what else would you want to share with our audience? I mean, you know, you've you followed our podcast, and and you know, you kind of understand how what we want to do is be able to offer advice and direction and inspirational words to our audience of, you know, you know, because when we bring in a, a guest like you, you know, we're bringing in seasoned veterans who, who've been through the ringer, who, who knows what it takes to be able to get there. What could you offer them? What do you want to tell these, our, our audience? Well, I think it's, it's probably about the same thing that I, I tell my, my, child who is now going into college right now as we speak, <laughs> nice. um, is that, you know, that I thought that there was such a limitation on what you can do with your life. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that if you wake up more than five days in a row and you're, you're grumbly about going to your job, you need to make a change. And it's hard it's to big. make a change. Yeah. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of smiling and a lot of rejection to get to where you want to go. But do what makes you happy and, and don't feel like there are limitations. I mean, there are so many new roles coming out all the time, especially in this space, whether it's around mm -hmm. data or, or whatever the case might be, just um, carve your own way. I like that. Simplified and powerful. Just great advice. <laughs> great advice. Love it. Thank you. Nice. Well, cool. Um, yeah, I think this has been fantastic. Um, Denise, this has been very inspirational. Uh, I think everybody should actually go check out um, check out your companies, check out ClearSale. And also, you know, if they have any questions, I'm sure just go stalk you on LinkedIn and reach out to you, you know, for some advice. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I love I chatting with people. Fantastic. Well, this has been great. And, and as always, you know, we've had a ton of great guests. We've had this 
you know, amazing streak of amazing guests coming on. So, you know, please keep the requests coming in. Uh, we do get emails all the time of, of, you know, people wanting to come on the show. Um, Samir, any advice on that one for people looking to become guests? Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, go to www.analyticspodcast.com uh, or reach out to Jeremy or I on LinkedIn. We're always here to find uh, really high potential and high caliber people like Denise and uh, excited to talk to them. It's a great opportunity for us to learn as well. Um, and also at the same time, provide value to our audience. So that will be my recommendation. Fantastic. Cool. Well, Denise, thank you again. This has been great. Enjoy your COVID summer. If that means anything positive, hopefully. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been great having you uh, on the show and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch. Thanks so much. I feel lucky to have been here. Thank you. And uh, thank, you. thank you, Samir. And as always, see you guys in the air. Bye.